Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a new regional report examines teacher compensation. We talk to the group behind it on how Mississippi's teachers stack up. Then a Senate committee explores broadband expansion. And a word from the state fire marshal on heating safety. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In Mississippi, the average teacher salary is nearly $47,000, but the starting wage is around $36,000. It's a figure at the center of a conversation about teacher recruitment and retention. And a new report from the Southern Regional Education Board finds that teacher shortages in Mississippi could worsen if wages and benefit packages are not improved. SREB Project Manager Megan Borum shares more with our Kobe Vance. When you're Looking at the information, we really try and capture um, teacher compensation as a full package deal and uh, try to help the general public, more specifically even lawmakers, to really understand that um, teacher salaries is not the only thing that we should really look at when we're talking about teacher compensation. Um, compensation is is a full package. And when you're looking at other professions, um, you know, Benefits packages and, and pay are all together as, as a, uh, a main recruitment tool to bring folks into that company. So lawmakers, we're hoping, will really understand um, understand that premise and making change to teacher salaries is not the only strategy here. It's, it's making change to health benefits, retirement benefits, and really looking at what a whole package is for a teacher. When we're, we're looking at trends across the region versus Mississippi, what we're really able to tell with the dashboard are, um, you know, regional trends, um, as well as how each state can compare to the southern region and then to the nation on some of the data as well. 
And so when it comes to Mississippi, is there anything that the state seems, is there anything that's working in other states that might, uh, could be implemented in others? Uh, like, especially like here in Mississippi where teacher pay is often lower than the, uh, national and regional average. Yeah. So, um, some things that, that we could, um, um, recommend for Mississippi, similarly to what we recommend for many states, but when looking at teacher compensation, we noticed that uh, salaries, of course, are pretty low for Mississippi teachers when you're comparing it with the rest of the country. Um, we're looking at health benefits for teachers. The cost uh, in Mississippi is actually higher than uh, a lot of the neighboring states. Um, lawmakers could look to providing more dollars uh, to offset the cost of, of health insurance for its teachers, similarly to some of the states around it, in order to bring down these premium costs, but also allow for teachers to bring home more money in their paychecks. And so when it comes to addressing those, are y'all making any recommendations to lawmakers specifically about how they can address these uh, these issues? When we're looking at uh, teacher compensation, we really recommend, firstly, that lawmakers look at this as a whole package deal. Um, when making changes to salaries, we really encourage them to look at this dashboard and look at their own uh, state data for more recent years as well to understand exactly what uh, health benefits are costing, exactly what retirement contributions cost to a teacher, so that they understand how much of a raise they're really actually providing as these costs continue to rise, especially with health insurance. Really, the, the problem that we have right now with teacher shortages, um, it's shortages have been caused by a multitude of problems and have been exacerbated by a multitude of, of um, you know, issues. Teacher compensation actually alone, um, even the full package deal, when you look at it, are not going to end our teacher shortages. Um, we have a, a problem that's been caused by a lot of reasons together. And so the solution really is um, a multi-part solution to affect change for each of those of those uh, problems that we see. So I, I wish that there were a simpler answer, but really it, it does take a comprehensive plan, not just with compensation, but also with supporting teachers, with providing career advancement for teachers, with preparing them um, for the teaching profession, elevating the profession overall. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with Mississippians about you know, what y'all's report has found or other aspects about teacher pay that Mississippians should understand about when it comes to the people that are teaching their children? So I, I would just like to reiterate that it's really important to, um, when we're thinking about addressing teacher shortages, that we really think about elevating the profession overall. And we're in a situation that we're in right now. We, we can't fill our classrooms. We don't have enough quality teachers to teach our students um, for a multitude of reasons. So we, we really need to look at all of those things. We need to listen to our teachers and understand the struggles that they're really facing. And what they tell us is, is not just that uh, they need increased pay. They're telling us that they need a supportive environment. They need um, a lot more professional development and mentorship. Um, they need they need stronger leadership at all levels and they need better preparation and, and fewer, um, you know, bureaucratic barriers along the way, allowing for, you know, a more supportive system, um, a system that provides advancement in the profession. Megan Boren is project manager with the Southern Regional Education Board. Megan, thank you for talking with us today. Thank you so much. 
State leaders and lawmakers are signaling the issue remains a top priority going into the legislative session. Governor Tate Reeves included raises in his recent executive budget recommendation. And for the last several weeks, Senate Education Chairman Dennis DeBar has been touring the state, engaging with teachers. He says the salary schedule needs a boost at the front end to attract and retain new talent. Erica Jones, president of the Mississippi Association of Educators, says she hears from teachers who take up additional jobs to make ends meet due to low salaries. She says she'd like to see the salary schedule brought near the national average. I'm looking at um, the current teacher salary schedule, and I believe, believe that that is going to have to be overhauled. And I also believe we're going to have to start having tough conversations around our health benefits that our educators receive here in the state. Uh even looking at different options for health insurance here in our state for our educators. And when we mention teacher salaries and, you know, different teacher pay, I want that to include all of our educators. I want us to think about our teacher assistants who are working really hard with our teachers, our secretaries, our bus drivers, anyone who touches a student in any type of way. uh, Once we think about educator pay to include them in that as well. You mentioned the schedule, um, Senator Barr was at, at the most recent uh, uh, listening session that he had. Uh, he talked about that as well. What do you think is going to have to go into addressing that schedule to make sure that the state can balance the budget, but also make sure that the teachers at the the newest end of the spectrum of coming onto the workforce get the pay that they need to be competitive in the market? Yes, in order to retain and recruit our educators, especially when we think about our educators with zero to five years, we really have to look at that starting pay. If you look at the current salary schedule here in Mississippi, many of our teachers here in the state can just travel a couple of miles over the state lines and receive higher pay. That is going to be something that our lawmakers must take into account. They're going to have to review that salary schedule to get us moving in the right path. The report from the Southern Regional Education Board uses data from the 2019-2020 school year. The final stop on Senator DeBar's listening tour is next month in Madison. Coming up, a Senate committee explores broadband expansion. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Coach Charlie Melton, and I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect, found on all podcasting platforms. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When schools shut down last March due to the coronavirus pandemic, remote learning became part of the instructional model. Teachers would prepare lessons for students to access at home. For areas of the state with strong Internet connection, the transition, albeit bumpy, allowed students to stay connected with teachers. But remote learning also pulled the veil back on just how much of Mississippi lacks reliable, high-speed Internet. MPB's Desiree Frazier talks with Senate Energy committee chairman joel carter on how lawmakers are looking to address the challenge 
we believe that every Mississippian deserves a high-speed internet connection, which would exceed 100 megabytes per second by 100 megabytes per second, which is a parallel connection that can only be achieved by deploying fiber optic cable. And so what we were doing is getting an update on what the CARES Act money was spent on, how many customers uh, potentially could have service now, who has who has currently uh, subscribed for service. And then there was an overview by the PSC of what federal money has already come down, what uh, what could potentially be coming down, and what that impact could be as far as serving Mississippians. We're just the committee is just trying to establish some parameters on what our expectations are. We're trying to find out where service actually exists and where it doesn't. Mapping is a huge problem. The current FCC maps are not accurate, so that's what's causing a lot of the overbuilding. So it's, there's a there's a multitude of issues that we're just trying to address in order to make sure that Mississippians in the most rural parts of our state have access to adequate internet. Former Senator. Sally Doty, who's now executive director of Public Utilities. In terms of the numbers that she mentioned, did you feel good about that or how did you feel? Well, the numbers are uncertain and that's something that I'm going to laser focus in on is how many customers have fiber available and how many customers are actually subscribing to the service because that was a big issue with me earlier last year. Um, Towards the end of the year, I was in DeSoto County, and the take rate was not what I thought it should be. It was like 23%. But uh, from what I'm understanding, that's drastically increased since then. And the cost would be another issue. If the fiber's there but people can't afford it, they're not going to get it. Yeah, that's correct. So that's why you've got – she talked about fixed wireless, which is a cheaper service that they're providing in, in more impoverished areas. Um, the, the high speed internet connection tends to be 50 to 60 bucks a month, which is very reasonable compared to some of the pricing that I've seen some, from other companies. But yeah, I mean, that's always going to be a factor in there. I don't know that there's any way to fix that. There's no government subsidy or anything we can do as far as internet service goes. Uh, I have tossed around some ideas because there were some treasury guidelines about putting some service free Wi-Fi areas like such as um, libraries, parks, places where people can pull up and access free internet. But we're still looking into those different types of issues right there. The, the main issue, though, is getting fiber out and amongst the state, because without fiber, you just cannot, you cannot provide the quality connection. Senator Angela Hill brought up that issue, saying that the satellite-provided internet service wouldn't be reliable. Yeah, satellite internet service has been around for a while, and I'm familiar with HughesNet, but um, she had some very valid points, and that that technology is not new, but it is rapidly evolving. I don't, I don't. That's and I was trying to get an update on what SpaceX is doing in other areas. I believe they're testing in Oregon right now. Um, is that satellite? That's satellite. What they did is they've they've deployed tens of thousands of low orbit satellites and they, they, they connect with a device in your home. There's like a little antenna on the outside of the house. that goes to the device in your home and the, the transmitter transmits to the low orbit satellite and it's supposed to provide a gigabyte of speed, but I know they're still in testing. They haven't done anything in the state of Mississippi, 
as far as applying for the RDOF funds that were awarded to them. Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley talked about a number of things, and he was moving fast. What was the takeaway for you? Well, me and Brandon have a good relationship. We talk all the time. Um, a lot of the stuff that that we talked about were things that I, were, I was already aware of, but I wanted the committee to be aware of. I mean, the, the takeaway of it is, is there's a ton of federal money coming down directly, strictly towards broadband service, and we want to maximize every dollar to make sure that we're providing service in unserved areas. And quality internet, high-speed internet, not the 25-3 FCC minimum standard. And that's with the satellite, is that correct? No. So what that is is copper wire, so like your coaxial cable. Uh, that's what they run DSL service off of, and that, that's, that's just the old standard of internet. Um, it buffers. You can't with, – with a 25-3 connection, you can't watch Netflix and stuff like that. It's just not fast enough. You don't have enough. Who has that? Who serves that? Well, you've got AT&T does it in some areas. You've got um, Comcast, all the cable companies. You've got the smaller telecoms that that do it. Um, Comcast has come up with some technology to where they're able to run double coax to a fiber point and provide a higher speed. So there's, there's technology out there that exists that you could use coaxial cable with, but I mean, all this stuff is extremely expensive. At the end of the day, you have to have access to some fiber point in order to get that speed because there's nothing faster than the speed of light. That's what fiber optic is. The Bill 2798 that became law, what does that do? So what that does is it allows Mississippi Power and Energy. They have trunk lines of fiber running through some of the most rural areas of the state that they run on their transmission lines to like if a, a part of the state, a transmission area goes out, they can pull power from another one, basically by hitting a button on a computer. But in those those tubes of fiber, they could have 123 strands in that fiber tube of fiber and only be using four strands of fiber. So there's a bunch of fibers sitting there, and they call it dark fiber. So what we did is we authorized them to be able to lease that to third parties, to, to internet service providers, um, to use to, to provide service in those rural areas. The overbuilding, how are you going to fix that? That's by mapping. Until we find until we have accurate mapping, it's going to be hard to stop the overbuild. And so, so they're going to be winners and losers? There always is in this business, unfortunately. Well, Senator, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Senator Joel Carter. Thank you very much. Coming up, a word from the state fire marshal on heating safety. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The leaves are falling, the air is cooling, the holiday season is at the doorstep. And according to State Fire Marshal Mike Cheney, so is the threat of house fires. He shares more with our Desiree Frazier. It's getting cold. We have house fires. What are you telling people that you tell them all the time, but we need to be reminded? We tell folks all the time about house fires. Most of the house fires occur during the holiday season because of cooking. And uh, people that are injured are usually due to the fact that um, children are in the kitchen when they shouldn't be when people are cooking. So we tell them what to do. If they're cooking during the holidays, to keep a pan close to a, a place if they're frying close to the stove if they're frying with grease to put grease fires out. Never use frayed or cheap extension cords. Use something that's actually designed to be used as an extension cord with safety plugs on them. And we ask folks not to use candles to try to stay warm or to use a stove or keeping it on to try to stay warm. A lot of fires start that way. Most of the fires that we have in our state are caused by people who are smoking all outside of the holidays, the fires that are caused are by people smoking or by getting too close to open flame. So we tell elderly folks, be very careful about getting too close to an open flame heat source, such as a fireplace with nightgowns on or with other clothing to keep you warm. The, before you know that you've warmed up, you may catch on fire. So we are trying to be proactive. And the other thing that we tell folks is make sure your smoke alarms working in a house. If you don't have one, call your local fire department or your volunteer fire department. They'll bring one out and put it in for you if you need them to. Portable heaters, anything to look out with those? Portable heaters are, are a problem if they do not have safety devices on them. We've been very active in enforcing the law and telling retailers, and, and that's the big box stores, the Lowe's, the Home Depot's, the Walmarts, and all the other big stores, that if you sell a heater, it has to have the safety devices where it will turn off if it turns over. If you have an older device, we tell folks to get rid of them or do not use them if they're a fire hazard. Uh, heaters should have safeguards on them where they will turn turn off if they're turned over, and if they get too hot, they will cut themselves off. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you will end up with a fire and then you may have a loss of life. Lastly, Thanksgiving is coming. People like to fry turkeys. When you fry turkey, you have to be extremely careful not to put the turkey uh, down into the grease too quickly and have the grease overflow out of the pan. So that means you take your turkey, you put him in the pan and put water in it until it's above the level of the turkey, and you mark that on the outside with a pencil of, of the pan you're going to fry the turkey in. And when you take your turkey out and dry them off and pull the water out, you know, and you take the turkey out, the water will drop down, and you mark that pot, spot on the pot, and that's the grease that you put in. That's how much grease you put in, so you know when you put the turkey back in, the grease will barely cover the turkey, and it won't overflow out of the pot and catch on fire. Most uh, things that occur with turkey fires occur because people put too much grease in and they put the turkey in. And when the grease starts coming out and catches on fire, they drop the turkey and it gets worse and worse. So the safest thing to do 
is to put the turkey in the pan, fill it with water, take the turkey out, mark the spot on the pan where the water level is, and that's pull the water out, and that's where you put the grease to. Can you do that under a carport? Never do it under a carport. Never do it under a covered place, and never do it specifically on a back porch where you have a wooden deck that can catch on fire. And always have a fire extinguisher present when you are trying to fry a turkey. That's extremely important. Have some way to put a fire out. Water will make a grease fire spread, so use a fire extinguisher. If you're in the house and you're cooking with grease that catches on fire, have a cookie pan handy and put it over the fire. Don't try to grab it and take the grease outside. Put the cookie pan over the fire. It will put it out. Anything else about fires that I didn't ask that's important? Well, no. Where to go if the house catches on fire, you have a fire you can't put out, call 911 immediately, get out and stay out of a place. Do not try to go back in to uh, rescue a pet or save your favorite photographs. It's just not worth it. It's really risky. Well, all right. Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you so much, Desiree. Appreciate you. And Commissioner Cheney is also the state fire marshal. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.